0: God's just been teaching me a lot about the church and like why we even do this. And Do you guys know why we do this? Like why we gather here on Sunday morning and and what do you what do you come here for? Like, what what's the point of this? Um, and just as oh she's gone, <laughs> oh just as Ruby was singing you're my everything, I was just thinking, gosh, this is this is why we're here. This is why why we do this, because God is our everything. Um, and so, if you're here out of obligation this morning, that's a, that's a lie of the enemy. Throw that aside. If you're here uh, because you don't know why this morning, you're here because God is calling you. Uh, if you're if you're here because you this is just a tradition for you, throw that aside. You're here because God wants to be your everything this morning. He is your everything, and he wants you to hear that this morning. So, uh, I could probably just sit down now and not even do a sermon like that's that 's it God wants you to know that this morning um, and i 'm so excited about the church uh, and i don 't know what your week looked like, but i 've realized that um, you guys don 't know what my week looks like. like you You probably wonder like what is what do, what do Mike and Daniel do? Um, most of times Netflix during the week we sleep till like noon. Someone buys me lunch on Bay Street and then Netflix for us. No, now. Um, so just I want to give you a glimpse in, into my week, um, just because this is a time of celebration for us. And I want to encourage you to do this with everybody else here this morning, that when someone says, "How's your week?" Uh, you point to the things that God has done in your week, and you say, like, "This is what God did in my week." When, when, when you go to work on Monday and someone says, "What was your weekend like?" Uh, you point to what God did on the weekend, and you point to Jesus. So this is what Jesus did in my week this week, uh, this past week. Missy was in uh, the States on Business. So it was me and the girls for three long days. <laughs> I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old. No, it wasn't long at all. It actually went by really, really quickly. Um, they're amazing, Emerson and Reagan. They're they're so awesome. Uh, was was awesome is so this is kind of backtracking. Uh, Friday morning, um, this, actually this is forward tracking. I'm going to get to this. I'll get to that in a second. So Missy was out of town. I was with the girls. Um, and it was, just, it was just awesome. Spending time with them, having dinner together, doing music lessons together, whatever it was. Um, um, maybe we watched cartoons together, you know, some of that stuff. Uh, Missy came back. We just had an awesome night in our, our body life group. Our BLG, our, our small group during the week. So if you're not plugged into a Body Life group, um, guys, this is—it's a lifeline of our church. This—this this is a very important part of who we are. But BLG is a lifeline of, of our church. This is where you share life. This is where you carry each other's burdens. This is where people pray for you and and build you up. And um, you're living in accountability. And you just get to encourage one another and exhort one another. And and it's awesome. So. That's my BOG anyways. I don't know how the other ones are. <laughs> they might not be as cool. Uh, no, but they're all awesome. So get plugged into a BOG. Um, and, and then uh, Wednesday, Sath and I, is, where's Sath? Sath, I'm so happy you're here this morning, driving from Montreal just to be here with us this morning, all morning. So stay awake. <laughs> He's like, coffee. Um, uh, Seth and I met in St. Jamestown this week. We've been, pr- we've been praying in St. Jamestown. We met with a someone who's working in the community there. And God just gave us a tremendous insight in the community and some, uh, an open door, a wide open door, to engage with the community in St. Jamestown. And we're really excited about it. We'll talk about it more more later. And then uh, Seth BLG actually came and prayed in St. Jamestown that night and prayer walked it. Um, So just really awesome there. And then Thursday, Missy and I went to a Jewish sukkah. Um, Anybody know what that is? All right. Yeah, we went to a Jewish sukkah. So uh, it's, I I can't remember which festival it is. Festival of Booths? Okay, yeah. Who said that? Yeah. So I thought it was that, but but they called it something different. Um, so yeah, festival of booths. They they erect this this temporary thing where they eat inside of it. Some families choose to sleep inside it, uh, but you're kind of excused from doing that in the northern climates. And we were a little nervous going. So it was all our neighbors were there. We were a little nervous because I was like, we're not Jewish. How are they gonna? How they, is is that okay? Like I don't know. Maybe they just invited everyone because they figured everyone was Jewish. Um, but uh, well, pretty much everyone in our neighborhood is Jewish, so we showed up, and it was so awesome. It was mostly older people, and i miss I miss hanging out with older people. It was so refreshing they 're just pouring into us, and um, one one couple had started a reformed Jewish synagogue up north, so we 're talking about church planting like i 'm talking to her about how we started the church she 's like I totally understand. Like, it's so hard starting something. And they started for their, for, um, uh, you know, the Jewish congregation up north. And they're, and they're like, we started with with seven families. And I was like, wow, that's a lot more than we started with. <laughs> but, and she's like, now there's over, like, 4,000. And I was like, families? 4,000? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. She's like, yeah, it was the area for it. It's, like, straight up Bathurst. So, um, yeah, it was just really. I was like, yeah, I think you had it a little easier than we have it. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about that, and it was just really cool. Um, and and so God's done a lot in our week. We we spent Friday night with with a um, with another pastor in our city, just encouraging one another, building one another up, um, and and our families, and it was just awesome. And uh, and then God's been just preparing this this sermon that that we're jumping into uh all week all week in me so when you talk to someone this morning like share things like that like don't don't just say oh i'm good share things like that and be excited that you're here this morning i woke up my girls i I wake up my girls every morning take them to uh, school every morning woke them up on friday and uh, they woke up they were so excited it was friday She was like, it's Friday, Reagan. She was, it's Friday. And I was like, why are you so excited? She was like, because Sunday's coming. And I said, why are you so excited about Sunday? She's like, because of church. And I was like, gosh, I wish half the people in our church had half of that excitement about just the gathering of the body. And it was just so beautiful to see that she was just excited because uh, she gets to see all her friends. And when she said friends, she wasn't talking about the kids. She was talking about like the adults, which is, is really awesome. So, um, be excited you're here this morning. We are going through a, a spiritual gift series called Charisma, and we've hit a, a bunch of gifts already. We've done leadership, serving, uh, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, the apostolic, and mercy. We last week. I preached on uh, healing and miracles and discernment. This week, I'm talking about the gift of teaching, the gift of uh, like words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. Okay? And these things kind of flow into each other, and we'll talk about that this morning. Before I jump into that, let me just say a couple things about spiritual gifts. And uh, just say what, what we've been saying all along, but just a refresher, that spiritual gifts are distinct from each other. So, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a variety of gifts, and there's a variety of services, but the same Lord, the same Spirit, and there's a variety of uh, ways these are uh, distributed or apportioned, or uh, the word is workings, and which means they're distributed in different ways. So, you have a teaching gift, for instance, and you have the gift of mercy. These gifts are different, okay? He's saying they're, they're distinct, uh, but then... Like I said last week, the teaching gift, for instance, uh, it can be used in different ways. So it can be used as a pastor. It can be used in kids City. That's happening right now. Um, you use it in your homes as you teach your children. It can be used in academia, uh, for instance. Uh, but then also there's a different apportioning sometimes of these giftings. Some people have a greater gift of teaching than, than other people um, or a greater, greater gift of mercy than other people uh, for instance, uh, the um, actually I'm going to go to the third one, then I'll come back up to the middle one. Uh, they're given to, to you for others, for the common good. So not given to you for yourself to make yourself well known as a great teacher. Um, they're given for you uh, for the common good, to, to raise up the church, to, to build it up. Uh, and let's go back to the middle one. Uh, there, uh, there can be gift clusters in that there's some overlap or flowing of, of some gifts into other gifts. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning with the gift of teaching, the gift of knowledge, and the gift of wisdom, and 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 see how these, these flow into each other. And we'll talk about gift clusters a little later as well. But let's jump into the passage that that Molly read this morning, and I'm just going to walk you through this passage and then... We'll uh, we'll jump we'll jump from it into the gifts. Okay, so uh, I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of read it and then stop. Uh, but then you can just look at the slide on the screen, and I'll hit all these points on this slide. So uh, Paul begins, and he says, "Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom," and 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 that's key. Okay, you can kind of read over that uh, and not catch this, but he says, "The ones who receive wisdom." are the ones who are mature, okay? So you may be at a point in your faith like, I want wisdom, but but Paul says the ones who receive wisdom are the mature ones. And he just talked about this wisdom comes from Jesus Christ in the previous verses. This wisdom, he says, is actually Jesus. And so he says, now we impart this wisdom, uh, and he says it's not of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. So this wisdom is from God, like I just said, Jesus embodies it. He says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. All right. And then he gives a scripture reference in here, in verse 9, and he centers this wisdom on scripture. And he says, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor a heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And we'll talk about love in, in a second, because Paul really takes that and he he runs within First Corinthians thirteen, so it's centered on Scripture. But then the the the, the next thing is wisdom is revealed by the Spirit. Okay, he says these things ha- God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, here's the thing, though. Wisdom is freely given. He says, now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. that We might understand the things freely given us by God. So it's free. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to work for it. God freely gives it. Uh, Verses 13 and 14. Uh, wisdom is founded on the gift of teaching. Then I'll talk about in verse 16, wisdom flows out of the gift of knowledge. And this is how wisdom, knowledge, and teaching are connected. Because he says in 13, we impart this word not by human wisdom, but they're taught by the Spirit. They're taught to us by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is, this is uh, teaching. This is, this is uh, going into knowledge. And then he says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord? so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And this is such a huge, life-changing truth in, uh, in a follower of Jesus, that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. Okay, so what Paul is saying here is that uh, it's almost like the default in our minds should be the spirit. Okay, so sometimes uh, sometimes you feel like God has spoken something to you uh, you've heard God reveal something to you through the word, through someone else, maybe even in your thoughts, and you're like, "Oh is that that's not for me but but he's saying here're like you have the mind of Christ It's almost like your thoughts should the default of your thoughts should be that of the spirit okay and and the Christian faith is learning how to live in that and mature in that as you walk alongside the spirit and he interprets spiritual truths he reveals things to you he leads you into all truth as jesus says in john chapter 16 to his disciples when he says i'm going to give you the spirit the spirit's going to do this for you Uh, so let's let's go off of this and talk about the gift of teaching Um, i'm just going to define it for you and we'll walk through this definition so uh, this is the gift of teaching it's a supernatural ability to lead others into truth by helping them grow in their understanding of the Word of God, that's kind of one side of it. They grow in their understanding by showing them how to live through the Spirit of God. Okay, so the teaching gift doesn't stop here in your mind. It isn't just cognitive. It actually leads and it shows someone how to lead into transformation. Okay, how to take how to take knowledge and turn it into wisdom. And so that's that's why you, we're we're going to see how the the words of knowledge and the words of wisdom are are connected somehow to this teaching gift because the teaching gift has both of these things. It is understanding truth, and it is showing you how to live out that truth, okay? Uh, let's go to the next, the next slide. Uh, so how do you know if you have this gift? One, you're a learner, okay? Um, you just love to learn. If you have the teaching gift, doesn't mean you have all the knowledge, but it means you like to... Like to learn so that you can help others. Uh, number two, uh, you love God's word. If you think you're if it, if you think God has given you the gift of teaching by the Spirit, now we're talking about a spiritual gift. Remember, um, this isn't a natural ability or a natural capacity to teach. This is this is a gift from God, where He's supernaturally gifted you to help others understand the word and to live by the word. Uh, then you're going to love the word. Okay? You're going to love spending time here. You're going to love uh, reading this, meditating on the word, applying it to your own life before you teach others. So you're not just going to understand this well. You're going to live it out well so that you can teach others how to do the same thing. Okay. Uh, number three uh, and number four are, are those things, understanding and, and living it out. Okay. Um, and then let's go to the next slide. I can't remember what it is. All right. <laughs> I can't remember if I had another one or not. All right, we'll get to this passage in a second. Here's the thing about the teaching gift. The teaching gift in the church, uh, especially in the Western church, we have almost placed an overemphasis on this gift to the detriment of other gifts. Okay? it, it's because we've centered everything around the teaching gift. And so, Seth and I, we were in St. Jamestown, or I don't know if this was this week or a couple weeks ago. Um, we were talking about gifts, and I don't even know how it came up, but I said, what do you think my gifts are? And and he immediately, he said, well, definitely teaching. And and then I do not we just kind of sidetracked, or we went, we went away from that. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing. Uh, in every, and we, I encourage you to take a spiritual gifts assessment. It'll help you discern your gifts. It won't tell you exactly what your gifts are necessarily, but it helps point you in the right direction. The body of believers helps point you in the right direction. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I had, every spiritual gifts assessment I've taken, teaching hasn't been in my top gifts. The last one I took just a couple weeks ago, it wasn't in the top four gifts. Teaching wasn't. Um, but what do you see? You see this. You see me teaching from up front. Uh, I remember the first time I was asked to teach. i never taught before. Um, and uh, I remember the first time I had been asked to teach. I was in university, and this guy had been my college university minister. He'd been asking me a lot. And I never actually, I always said, no, no, that's not me. That's not me. I don't want to do that. And he recognized some things in me um, that I didn't recognize in myself. He recognized all those things that, that uh, I just went through. He, he saw that I was a learner. He saw that I love God's word. He saw that I, I love to help people understand it. I love to help people walk in it. And, and he said, you should, be, you should be teaching others how to do the same thing and it wasn't until I actually did it that that uh, God confirmed something in me. He confirmed that gifting in me. Uh, but like I said, in, in all the assessments I've taken, teaching is never, it's never my top. It's never even, like I said, in the top three or four. Um, there's other, because there's other gifts that are working in here. And we'll go in this later and I talk about gift clusters, uh, but... For instance, one of, my, one of my biggest gifts is exhortation. So that works out in teaching, um, that I exhort the church to, d- to do things. Um, and if you're wondering if you have this gift of teaching, all you need to do is step out and try it. All you need to do is, is put yourself in that place of opportunity. Uh, step up in BOG. We talked about body life groups earlier. Step up in BOG. Step uh, Kid City needs, needs teachers. Um step out in that uh there's there's really um, uh, there's there's a lot of safety in our community in stepping out in your gifts and exercising them to see if this is something God wants to confirm in your life and trust that the body of believers is going to help you do this okay um now uh the teaching gift is important don't get scared i I do think I have the, the gift of teaching, even though it doesn't show up in an assessment. So you're like, don't be scared. I'm I'm supposed to be doing this, I think. <laughs> but I do think my other gifts work out through this teaching of exhortation and and faith and um uh wisdom or or whatever it is, and you're gonna see that happen when you step out in this gift. So um and Paul says and and what I don't want to happen is for us to put an undue emphasis on teaching, and because we do that, the rest of the church just sits and listens. We're not that type of church. So if you've come in this morning and you're new here, um, this isn't this isn't uh, you just sitting there. Isn't you being the church? This is you just getting something from uh, from someone who's hopefully gifted in teaching, and and giving you something, but but you being the church is living out in your own giftings. And Paul talks about this in the passage that, that was up there. And this is in 1 Corinthians 12. And he goes through these gifts, and I'm not going to read all this, but I just want to point a couple things out. He goes through, through these gifts, and he says there's some gifts that are more visible than other gifts. He says that doesn't make them more valuable, though. In fact, we give, I'll probably just end up summarizing it. So, in fact, we give the other gifts that aren't more visible, we treat them with greater modesty, he says. We, we treat them with greater honor, he says. Uh, and he says, God has composed the, party, the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And this is the reason why, in verse 25, that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all are honored together, okay? And that's the community of faith. That's the community you've walked into this morning. And, and so don't, don't look at this, someone up here, someone up here, as the place of honor. If your gift is mercy, you have greater honor, Paul says, because you're a less visible gift. And you're greater protected by the body. Uh, if you have the gift of service, you are just as valuable as someone who teaches from here. Like we need all the gifts. Paul says we need all the gifts working together. We're all members of the same body. And, and he says earlier there, he says, The eye can't say the hand, I have no need of you. Nor the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, we need the parts of the body that seem to be weaker and, because they are indispensable. And he's playing on the culture. Our culture says, oh, well, the the person who has that gift is more important. Or the person who has that gifting, they're they're better than the person who has this gifting. And Paul says, no. We're all members of the same body, and they're all indispensable and invaluable to each other. So we're going to move on to the... The other two gifts, which you guys, if you have a charismatic bent to, you, you've been waiting to get to the the words of knowledge gift or the words of wisdom gift, we're going to talk about both of these. But I want to give you a story first. Um, uh, when's the last time you rode on a seesaw? It's been a long time, huh? I hear chuckles. Yeah, no. Um, the... You guys know what a seesaw is, right? <laughs> it hasn't been that long, has it? So, uh, I, yeah, teeter totter. So that's, I, yeah, I called it that growing up. Yeah. So it's not just a Canadian thing. <laughs> yeah, teeter totter. Um, then I graduated to seesaw. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I think the last time, maybe, is there one at the campground by Seth and Charmagne? I'm talking to you. Is there one at the campground there? I, I, yeah. I think that might be the last time I saw, I saw one. Uh, so think about a, a seesaw. A seesaw works uh, when you have one person on each end, and it goes like this, right? Um, and the thing is, it's you using your weight. My parents, uh, when they got married, uh, so my mom is Thai, and she's, she just immigrated to the States. Uh, my, my dad met her in Thailand He came back to the states for school. He and then my mom immigrated to the states, and they were gonna get married, and so they were gonna get married in a courthouse. And so they went to city hall. They did their thing. They had to come back. They signed up. Had to come back outside and wait for a couple hours. There was a playground outside, and they got on the seesaw. And my mom had never seen a seesaw before. Uh, She grew up third world, Thailand, Um, and so. She sits on one end. My dad's like, yeah, yeah, get on. And and my dad and my mom's five two. She looked just like like Missy. Five two, really petite. She's Thai. She grouped the rewards. She's like really skinny. I mean just really light. Um uh, she's sitting on the cell. So my dad is those of you who have met my dad, he's like he's ex-military, so he's like husky, you know, he's uh so he jumps on the end of the seesaw, the other end, like a n- moron. I don't know what he's... So he jumps on the other end, and guess what happens? My mom goes flying off. She lands on the ground, hits her head, and he knocks her out. And he's like, oh, my God, I just killed her. And he takes off running. I'm just kidding. He doesn't run away. <laughs> he just leaves her. No, he... He's like, oh, my God. And he thinks, like, she's dead. He's like, wake up, wake up. I don't know if he's smacking her or what. You know, he's, like, shaking her. And she comes to, and she's like, what happened? And he's like, uh, you, you fell off. <laughs> and and um, they go, and they get married. And, uh, yeah, she still marries him after that. I don't know what she was thinking. And uh, now my mom knows how a seesaw works, <laughs> a teeter-totter. Um, here's the thing with, with, um, these gifts, we need a balance of the word and the spirit. Okay. Um, have you ever tried to balance on a, on a seesaw? It's very difficult. It's very difficult to balance. You either need people who are the exact same weight, like exactly the same to like the gram, uh, or what? You need to have your feet on the ground. You need to be grounded in something. All right? And these gifts need this balance between the word and the spirit. And uh, the gifts of words of knowledge, the gifts of uh, uh, words of wisdom has been hijacked a little bit by, um, in some church circles, in some Christian circles. And they've been abused a little bit. And so this morning we're going to talk about just having a balance between these things. And it's, they're both grounded, not just in the Word, not just in the Spirit, but in the Word and the Spirit. The last thing we want to do is, is myopically focus on the Spirit and vault off the Word. And the other last thing we want to do is, is do the same thing with the Word and vault off the Spirit. Okay? The Spirit of God wrote the word of god. So when we read this, we're reading what the spirit has shared with us through time. Okay? We're reading his words. We're we're listening to the spirit when 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 Jesus says that the spirit has come and he's going to lead you into all truth, we can start here. Okay? Because he's he's done that. He's been leading us in a truth through this. But also what we don't want to do is say that the spirit doesn't use us and speak through us today, because he still does does that as well. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting there listening to me talk right now, because I'm not just reading this to you. I'm actually saying I'm actually. Uh, hopefully, the spirit is speaking through me to you right now as I use his word. Does that make sense? So we want to have a, a cooperation between the Word and the Spirit and, and a balance there. Um, we don't want what happened to my mom to happen again, <laughs> um, especially when we're talking about Word and the Spirit. So let me define words of knowledge for you. This is a speaking gift, and, and when I say speaking, I don't mean uh, you've got to be a public speaker. I mean, it's called words of knowledge, so you've got to speak this gift out. Whereas like a serving gift, for instance, you don't always have to speak, uh, or, or a, a mercy gift, you may not always have to speak. But this is, a, this is if, you have a, if you're going to exercise a word of knowledge gift, people aren't just going to receive it through osmosis. It has to come out of your mouth. So it's a speaking gift that involves a supernatural insight. And hear me right now. I have supernatural insight here. We say supernatural in all our definitions of the gifts. They're all spiritual gifts, okay? Um, so don't, don't just see it in this definition. It's been in all of the definitions I've had um, with all the giftings because they're all spiritual gifts. So it's a supernatural insight into truth that comes only by God's revelation. Those with the gift of knowledge understand the deep things of God. So this is coming from this passage we just read, 1 Corinthians 2. And the mysteries of His Word, and are able to communicate this in specific instances. Okay, let's go to the next one. Here's some examples from the Scripture. So, in in Matthew 16, Peter gives a word of knowledge, and it says that. So, Peter, there's a scene where where Jesus says, "Hey, who do people say I am?" And the disciples are like, "Well, some people say you're you're a." Uh, Uh, John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. Uh, And then Jesus says, okay, but who do you guys say I am? And Simon Peter, he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is the first time this has been uttered by one of the disciples um, in this way. So he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is a word of knowledge. Okay, Jesus says this. He, He acknowledges it. He says, blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven so Peter just got a direct revelation you know uh, through God's revelation uh, for a specific instance to give a word of knowledge to Jesus and the other disciples and this is a word of knowledge okay and then what's and then Peter receives a word of knowledge in the next in the next verse uh, from Jesus, and He says, "Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." And then He says, what, uh, "I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." This is Jesus giving Peter now a word of knowledge, and then also the disciples a word of knowledge. And these are—you can see here that these are Jesus says it. This is directly revealed to you from the Father and this is uh, a word of knowledge that you gave. Now I, I alluded to this earlier um, that the word of knowledge, if you like googled word of knowledge, you'd get a whole bunch of different things. Um, there's certain Christian circles that have abused this gifting um, and taken it to the extreme uh, where in some cases we're like, I don't even know if that's, that's from God. Um, and uh, and there's also been a conflation of the gift of prophecy and the gift of the word of knowledge, and those are different giftings. They may they may cooperate with one another, but uh, the gift of prophecy and, the, and words of knowledge are, are different. Words of knowledge uh, are are rooted in the word, okay, and and in the spirit. And we're going to talk about this. And and uh, it, well, I won't get into prophecy, but. Go back a couple of weeks and listen to the sermon on on the prophetic, and you'll see the difference there. Uh, Daniel preached that sermon. But I'll say this uh, with words of knowledge. They need to be, they should be tested. And the way they're tested is against the word, it's against the scriptures, and then in the community of faith. So if you receive a word of knowledge, or you feel compelled to give a word of knowledge, you should do that. You should test it against the word, and you should test it with uh, the community of faith, and you should be open to that. Um, now, if you've been given a word of knowledge, you should do the same thing. Now, this is, I'm actually, I'm trying to figure out, like, how to, how to talk about this, because you guys have various, you guys have different backgrounds. You guys, some of you guys have been around this word of knowledge thing where people say, I have a, I have a word from God for you, and it's hurt you. Some of you, you've you've received a word of knowledge, and it's been direct confirmation for that specific time in your life where you were built up, and and it it helped you um, move forward, and uh, and yeah, go to the next slide, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit, um, and and this is this is the thing with with words of knowledge. And and how to really, I have prerequisites up there, but but how to how to receive and and give these? Uh, Peter and John give a word of knowledge in Acts four, and they're before the Sanhedrin council. They're they've just been arrested for healing somebody for doing something really awesome. They got arrested for it, and. And uh, Jesus, or not Jesus, Peter stands up before them and he just gives them a word of knowledge that is focused on who Jesus is. And he says, this, this Jesus you're persecuting, but he is God in the flesh. And he just declares it over the, the council. And he's giving them this tremendous word of knowledge that these Jewish leaders, they didn't recognize him as the Messiah, right? That, that was supposed to help them see that they were, uh, it was supposed to help direct them, right? And Peter, in and, and the passage in, I think it's chapter 4, verse 13, maybe, or 23, I think it has a three in it, um, you see them recognize these three things in Peter and John as he says them. They say, wow, this guy is bold. And, and they recognize their humility, and they recognize that they've been with Jesus. So when you're receiving a word of knowledge from, from somebody, um, keep this in mind. Uh, I mean, yes, it's going to be something that's probably bold. Uh, That person had to take a step of faith and a risk of faith to share that with you. Uh, You would have to do that if you gave a word of knowledge. Uh, But also, uh, stay humble in that. And that person should do the same thing if you're receiving something from somebody else. Uh, But then this recognition that that someone has been with Jesus. If you want to be a recipient of words of knowledge to give to people, you better be with Jesus. Um, that's what they recognize in in, uh, in the apostles here, and like I said, I know. So I've I've received just one one word of knowledge in particular that was false. Someone said, i known this person for half an hour," um, and this is before we moved here, and they said. God told me to tell you this. This is my this is, uh, like classic word of knowledge lingo, which I don't really love. Like I'm always kind of weary when someone says, God told me to tell you this. Um, because a lot of times words of knowledge just happen in, in speech, and you don't, you don't think about them until later. You don't even know you're giving them. Okay? When someone says, oh, I'm sensing this for you, or I have this for you, or God gave me this for you, I'm always like, ah, oh, okay. Because um, it, what it does is it directs me to them and not to God. Um, and it's almost like, okay, listen to me, now I have this for you. So this guy did this, and uh, he said, you're not supposed to go to Toronto because God is not going to use you there. I called him up yesterday, and I was like, hey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh and this was probably two years before we moved to Toronto, and it crushed me um, for about an hour. And I was like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, it literally lasted an hour because I sought other people out, and I said, is this guy right? Should I not go to Toronto? And, and they said, no, you should leave. We don't want you here. <laughs> no, <laughs> they said, no, that guy has no idea what he's talking about. And I remember telling the guy in this, in this conversation, and I said to him, uh, even though it crushed me on the inside, outwardly I said, "Look, you've been—you may have been praying about this for the last 10 minutes. i have been praying about this for three years, and like your supposed word of knowledge isn't gonna isn't gonna stop me from going to Toronto." And then I left his office and started crying. It's <laughs> like, ah. Um, but and and so I, I needed to test it. I needed to, to test it against what I knew God had called me to. I needed to test it against what, what other people, and we had to confirm it. Now, here's the thing. I've received tremendous words of knowledge from people who didn't say, God told me to tell you this. Um, the most influential one in my life was uh, a pastor preaching when I was in university, and God used that to call me into ministry. Now, that guy has, has no idea that, that specific phrase he said is what, what um, caused me to go into ministry. Um, but that's a word of knowledge that God just gave him, and he gave out without pointing to himself, and it flowed into my life and has uh, just changed the tra- trajectory of my life. And it was grounded in the scriptures, it was grounded in the Spirit, and what the Spirit was doing in my life, and it was immediate confirmation for me. When I heard it, it was like, boom, that's, that's it. Uh, so a lot of times you're going to give words of knowledge and you may not even realize it. Um, And sometimes you may have something specific for somebody in a specific instance, and you do realize it, and you need to give it to that person. But in all of that, stay humble. Yes, be bold. Take that risk of faith, because sometimes it's going to sound crazy. Um, And then be with Jesus. Take it to Jesus and be with Jesus so that that person can say, yes, okay, I see that you've been with Jesus. Uh, you don't have to tell them you've been with Jesus. They should see that. <laughs> um, so these, these gifts are kind of, uh, like I was saying, in this cluster. So let's go into uh, words of wisdom. This is just the definition for that. This is a speaking gift that involves a supernatural insight in a biblical truth that leads others in applying scripture with the result of spiritual living. Living. You see that this is a this is kind of the second part of the teaching gift. The teaching gift helps people apply the scriptures. This is this is a kind of a manifestation out of that. And when I say this, you don't have to have the teaching gift in order to give a word of knowledge. But the words of knowledge and words of wisdom are activated by the by the teaching gift, whether it's a gift in you or it's been activated through someone else exercising their gift. Uh, their gift of teaching. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, yeah. And let's let's keep on. Let's roll through these slides. Um, and here's an example from scripture, or a couple of them. One, Solomon prays for wisdom in 2 Kings three, and he prays to God for wisdom. God gives it to him, and then in the end of that chapter, if you, if you've uh, remember this scene, two prostitutes come to Jesus, come to Solomon, and they're fighting over a baby. One person rolled over in her baby in the middle of the night and suffocated her baby, killed her baby. And now she's saying that her baby is my baby. Another one's saying, no, 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 that's my baby. She stole my baby. And Solomon says, okay, what do we do here? And because God's given him wisdom, he has this word of wisdom and he says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to cut the baby in half and give you guys each because I can't decide. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's kind of crazy. And... Um, and you can like picture they're getting the sword, and they're about to like, chop the baby in half. And the real mom stops and, and says, no, 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 she can have the baby. And Solomon knows that that's the real mom because she protects the life of her baby, in, so much so that she says the other lady can have it. And so Solomon recognizes then who, whose baby it is. And this, the second example is from Acts. It's Acts 6, where the, the apostles appoint deacons, and they receive this this word of wisdom, and it shows them how to live out in the church. Okay, so these words of wisdom are going to show you how to live out in the Spirit, in the Word. I, um, I prayed for wisdom um, for... When when God called me into ministry, I started praying for wisdom because I knew I lacked it. I knew I needed it, and um, and so I would pray for the wisdom of Solomon. And for seven plus years after God, uh, when when God called us to Toronto in two thousand nine, um, I really started praying for it. God. I don't know how to do this. Give me wisdom. I need to. I I need to be able to to just have this wisdom to lead your people and give me these words. Um, and I just persisted in prayer. And it wasn't until a couple weeks ago, I, I told you, I took that spiritual gifts assessment. I've probably taken a few of them, I don't know, a handful of times. And I took this assessment again just to see. Because I feel like God, God does give you certain giftings in certain seasons of your life. Okay, um, So I took this, this test again. And guess what the number one gift was that came up? It wasn't teaching. It wasn't the apostolic. Uh, It definitely wasn't mercy. (laughs) It was wisdom. And now, and it shocked me because wisdom hasn't been anywhere near the top in the other spiritual gifts assessments I've taken over the years. This is probably the, this is, the last one I took was probably 10 years ago, okay? Um. And wisdom was the top one. And it, I just saw that and I thought, wow. I realized in that moment that God had answered his prayer in pursuing the gifts for just by asking for it. And I looked over the past three years of being in Toronto, and I can see in specific instances where the Spirit spoke words of wisdom through me in a counseling situation, in the situation of advice, or even hearing, giving a sermon, where he said something through me that I hadn't, I have no idea where it came from. And there's one moment in particular where it was almost like I stepped back and I could see my mouth talking and hear words coming out, and I'm like, where's that coming from? Uh, and that's, a, that's an example of God just giving a word of wisdom that isn't, that isn't from you, it's, it's revealed by the Spirit to show someone really how to live out in their faith. Uh, I mean, if you were here last week, Probably the most powerful part of my sermon was a word of wisdom that I didn't plan on, that wasn't in any of my sermon notes, in, in anything. And it was the, the passage on Elisha and uh, Gehazi, the, 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 um, the servant there. Um, and that's a complete word of wisdom. Now, I didn't say, thus saith the Lord, guys. This is a word of wisdom from God. It just came out, and many of you guys noted that last week and were really impacted by it. And, it, and, and your, your eyes were open. Your heart was open to the supernatural last week um, because, of, because of that passage. So that's an example there. Let, let me give you a couple things um, on, on just what it looks like to, uh, to, yeah, just go to the next slide. What, what it looks like to, to uh, oh, yeah, you can skip that one. Sorry, this one, to pursue the spiritual gifts. And here's the thing. Paul wants us to pursue them. He wants us to, to chase after them. He wants us to desire these gifts. So ask for these gifts. Uh, and in order to pursue them, we need constant practice. You can't just expect God to give you this gift if you're not putting yourself in a situation to exercise the gift. You just need to practice it. Uh, number two, uh, it takes a risk of faith. Okay? Uh, so if you want if you want this gift, you need to take a step of faith, boldness, and a risk of faith into exercising the gift. Number three is uh, dwelling in the Word. Uh, we've talked about about that a lot. You need to let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you if if you're going to pursue these gifts. And uh, the last one is just an openness to the Spirit. And this is the balance. This is the balance we need. We need the Word and the Spirit. I know that the Spirit speaks through the Word. He speaks through each other. He speaks through the community of faith. And uh, and we need to trust that God has given us the Spirit, as Jesus said in John 16, to lead us into all truth. And, you know, Jesus in this passage, uh, he, he says those words, and he says, guys, I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard to live out these gifts. I know it's going to be hard to live by the Spirit. The world is against you. The world is going to persecute you, uh, but he says this, and and this is one of the last things he says to to his disciples as as he encourages them to live by the Spirit. He says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. When you live out in your giftings, you can do that. When you live out in your gift of mercy, in in the gift of teaching, uh, in the, the gift of service, and in words of knowledge, words of wisdom. You can actually take heart because you know that Jesus has overcome the world and his spirit is in you and we have the mind of Christ to exercise these gifts and to step out in faith and to be bold and to be a light in our city. I love what Daniel talked to our team this morning, and, and he just said, I'm tired of the limitations that we put on our church on the church, on ourselves. And uh, he used this rope that we set up in the in service to represent that. And it was such a powerful word that, that we don't live in the darkness anymore. You were once in darkness, yes, but now the Bible says you are in marvelous light. And Daniel so beautifully said this. He said, the light is good, guys. Like, it feels good to be in the light. And we can't be afraid to call our city into the light. And the gift of teaching does this. Words of knowledge aren't just, uh, aren't just for, for uh, the church, although they edify the church, but they're for the common good. We need to take steps of faith to give words of knowledge to people, to give words of wisdom to people, and to show that we are a people who's grounded in the Word, who's grounded in the Spirit, who has the mind of Christ, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way where they see us, like they saw the apostles, and they say, they're different. They've actually been with Jesus. They've been with God. And in a way that where it draws them to Jesus, they want that. So let me pray for us that we would be that church this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you that um, that is our truth. That we are that people we are that church and although we fail and don't don't live like that uh, sometimes that's the truth that we live in we have your mind jesus we have your spirit who dwells in us and is producing tremendous fruit love and joy and peace and all those all those fruits of the spirit and we are living in the light which means that we can see and so give us eyes to see clearly so that uh, we can draw people out of the darkness in the light. Activate these gifts in us, the gift of teaching, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, not for our own edification benefit, but for the common good. Thank you, Jesus, that you've shown us how to live this out. Thank you that uh, you've you've given us your spirit. Now, now help us to be open to what you want to do in our lives. And may your will be done on earth through the church as it is in heaven. We ask in your name. Amen.